0: Fathers, we come to you now for the preaching of your word. We pray that you will speak to our hearts through the truth of your word. May it not fall in deaf ears. May you open eyes. May your grace fill us, Father. By your grace, do what we can't. Lord, help us to see truth and to embrace it, to love it, and to worship you for it, Father. We pray that you will move and stir among us may your holy spirit work in us and among us and out from us to others in our county father lord we know that you are a great god and father we would be an heir just to to look to our own need to see what we need father we know that you have a people all over this world and so father we pray that you'll be with our brothers and sisters All the way on the other side of this planet, to the four corners of the earth, Father. May you be with our brothers and sisters as we turn to your word. Strengthen us, encourage us. May your eternal joy fill us, Father, and may that be our delight. Father, help us to turn away from everything that is less in you fill us up father with your eternal blessing may the salvation through jesus christ be our joy and our delight lord father we pray that you'll be uh, not only with our brothers and sisters around the world but right down the street father in our own county there are other gospel-centered bible-believing brothers and sisters who need your touch today Father, fellow brothers who are preaching your word, may it not fall in deaf ears. Give them words to say, and may you be honored and glorified as your people are strengthened to endure. Father, I pray that you'll be with Pastor Tom as he preaches, that you'll be with Covenant Community Church, our sending church, Father. May you strengthen that precious people. Lord, be with Pastor Bobby with foundation. May you give him the words to say this morning. And strengthen that body. Lord, we think of Pastor Kogo, a fellow brother who's planting a church in Nakuru, Kenya, Lord. And you have called people to gather around him, Lord. And you have, through them, you have established Covenant Baptist Church. We thank you for that. There was no church before you stirred within Pastor Kogo and his wife and the fellow believers with them, Father. And now there's a church that's based on your word and proclaiming your word. All the other garbage that's put out there, Father, is being called out for what it is. And truth is being proclaimed this morning. We thank you for that. Lord, we know, though, that there are people, the Turim of Sudan, who don't have a Bible-believing church yet. Father, we pray that you will strengthen brothers and sisters to go out and embolden us, give us such a passion for the gospel of Jesus, maybe from our own fellowship, to go and be with the Turim of Sudan where they too can come and worship you and a church be established and they will learn and grow and be discipled and be filled for all eternity. Lord, we do thank you for NAM, the North American Mission Board. We ask that you'll continue to do a work in them. Lord, we thank you for brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, we pray for those who are not present for whatever reason. Lord, we pray for sickness that you'll heal them. Father, if something has come up that has impeded them to come, we pray that you will enable them to still come. Lord, if they're having to deal with things, Lord, we pray that they won't do it in their own wisdom or their own strength, but they'll turn to you, and Father, we will be able to help them as a community, as a family. Lord, thank you for this fellowship. Do your way with us, we pray. Amen. Our text this morning speaks of a gift that's given through the redemption of Of Jesus Christ. This gift is Christmas. Giving gifts at Christmas is good because it reminds us that God coming to us is a gift. Emmanuel with us, God with us has come to be, Scripture says, the propitiation by his blood. Given through faith, because God is righteous, so he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Another way to say this morning's passage is by his grace, God has justified those who have faith by giving Jesus to remove his wrath toward them, thereby still being just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. This is to show his righteousness as he forgives those who believe. We've already mentioned this morning of how needy we are. We don't like to think of ourselves as being needy, but all of us, we all have a need. And Christmas reveals it. We need Jesus to come and be with us to absorb God's wrath toward our sin. You see, there's there's a serious side to Christmas. Before we celebrate the joy of Christmas and before we receive the warmth and the the goodness of Jesus' birth, we need to understand that serious side. We need to understand why Jesus came. You see, we need propitiation for our sin. Why is Jesus called Savior? You know, we say it all the time in church. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is my Savior. But what do we mean by Savior? What does he save us from? Why did God put his son Jesus Christ forward as a propitiation for sin. You know, that word propitiation is not used a lot. We don't say that word every day. And in church, it's not even used that much. It, what it means is to remove wrath. Jesus has removed God's wrath toward believers. Jesus is our propitiation by atoning for our sin, He has paid our debt. For sin, which is death and separation from God. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So Jesus absorbs the judgment of God for all who receive his grace through faith and repent. What a tremendous gift God gives believers. What a tremendous gift Christmas brings us. Jesus takes the punishment that we deserve so that we can have eternal life with Him. What a gift of love. What a gift of kindness toward those who really should be judged for our sin! But God, in his grace and his love and mercy, he gives us eternal life by Jesus being that propitiation. You see, God's wrath is real. If you turn back a few chapters in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Then you flip over to chapter 2, verse 5. We're told because of our hard and unrepentant hearts, his wrath, that's God's wrath, is being stored up for the day of wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each one what they deserve. All who are self-seeking, it goes on, and don't obey truth, who obey unrighteousness, will receive, in verse 6, wrath and fury. This is what makes Jesus, our Emmanuel, so incredible. The free gift of Christmas is Jesus has taken God's wrath for all of us who believe in Him. Now, I know this is heavy today. I know this is a heavy topic In today's time, a lot of churches skirt around this. They want to fill seats by saying how wonderful you are, how awesome you can be, what Jesus can do for your life here, how to make the best out of this life. They would rather entertain you than tell you the truth. But there's eternity at stake. You will face God's wrath if you don't know the truth. Beloved, this truth about God's wrath and about Jesus being the propitiation for all those who repent and believe is so needed today. It's needed even in the church. We need reminding of this. See, the truth is God's wrath is aimed at each and every one of us because of our sin. We all have sinned. Our sin is in our nature. It's, it's who we are. It enslaves us. It indwells within us. It deceives and hardens our hearts. and our sinfulness, our desires are opposed to God, and this sets us against God. You see, sin keeps us from God. It turns us away from Him. Evil things become good things to us. Even lesser good things become more important than him see sin is hostile to God in our sin we do not think of God as we should and we don't see things the way God sees them we are withdrawn from God his holiness is foreign to us we don't like who he is we don't like what God does we don't submit to him or obey what he tells us to we reject him and therefore we don't honor him or praise him as we see uh, as we should in our sin we see what god calls evil we see it as pleasurable but the pleasure that sin gives is only temporary while the stench of sin lasts forever it has eternal consequences and this sin is everywhere It's all over the world. God is opposed to all sin in all its forms. Every person in every country has a need for removing God's wrath that's aimed right at them because of their sin. No one is excused. You're not excused from it. I'm not excused from it. Everyone, the whole entire world has the same need for saving From God's wrath, or else they will perish under it. In the country of China, there are hundreds, maybe thousands, of house churches, brothers and sisters in Christ who cannot meet in a public place. They meet in each other's homes each week to worship together. Maybe you saw in the news this past week, and maybe you heard of at least a hundred Christian brothers and sisters in China, being arrested in their homes or on the street as the communist government enforces a new law that prohibits worship that's not approved by the government. The law requires that all illegal house churches register with the government-sanctioned church system. Those that don't face harsh penalties and arrests. When the story broke this past week, arrests were still being made. Among those arrested is Pastor Wang Yi, pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church, and his wife, Zhang Rong, neither have been heard from since last Sunday. Their arrests are part of increased suppression on religious freedom in China since February of this past year where the Chinese government has increased their punishment for what they call unofficial churches. Pastor Wang Yi wrote a letter in September to be published should he be held for more than 2 days and his church members the church members released it this past Wednesday. I highly highly encourage you to read this letter in its entirety. Spend some time this afternoon with your children looking over this letter. It will help every single one of you. If you want to be encouraged, if you want to see the Scripture being applied in a real situation here, being applied today to understand how relevant and how needed the gospel is, please read Pastor Wong's letter. The letter made its way around the Internet and social media this past week. One response is calling Pastor Wong's letter the Chinese version of the letter from a Birmingham jail for the 21st century. That's a reference to Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter he wrote while in jail that described the whole purpose and significance and urgency that was to become a movement to eradicate in this country racial segregation and discrimination laws that were immorally based on race. In Pastor Wong's letter, which has been translated into English, the pastor said he is, quote, "...filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at the wickedness of their depriving people of their freedoms of religion and of conscience." However, in his letter, Pastor Wong emphasized that changing social and political institutions is not the mission that he's been called to. And it is not the goal for which God has given his people the gospel, he writes. In other words, there's more at stake than what we can see. Pastor Wong continued to write, I accept and respect the fact that this communist regime has been allowed by God to rule temporarily. As the Lord's servant, John Calvin said, wicked rulers are the judgment of God on wicked people. The goal being to urge God's people to repent and turn again toward him. For this reason, I am joyfully willing to submit myself to their enforcement of the law as though submitting to the discipline and training of the Lord. Pastor Wong has been placed under arrest for allegedly inciting subversion of state power. The charge could result in a sentence of five up to 15 years in prison. You see, not everyone survives prison in China. Sometimes your sentence is extended. What makes someone like Pastor Wong willing to face punishment so that others can worship? What has compelled Pastor Wong to willingly go to prison and endure persecution? Here's Pastor Wong's reason in his own words. For all hideous realities unrighteous politics, and arbitrary laws manifest the cross of Jesus Christ, the only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also manifest the fact that true hope in a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. As a pastor, my firm belief in the gospel, my teaching, and my rebuking of all evil proceeds from Christ's command in the gospel and from the unfathomable love of that glorious king. Every man's life is extremely short, and God fervently commands the church to lead and call any man to repentance who's willing to repent. Christ is eager and willing to forgive all who turn from their sins. This is the goal of all the efforts of the church in China, to testify to the world about our Christ, to testify to earthly momentary lives about heavenly, eternal life. If God decides to use the persecution of this communist regime against the church to help more Chinese people to despair of their futures, to lead them through a wilderness of spiritual disillusionment, and through this to make them know Jesus... If through this he continues disciplining and building up his church, then I am joyfully willing to submit to God's plans, for his plans are always benevolent and good. Those who lock me up one day will be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with a natural compassion and grief toward those who are attempting to and actively imprisoning me. Pray that the Lord would use me and that he would grant me patience and wisdom that I might take the gospel to them. This is a man who gets it. This is a man who gets it and I've only read part of his letter for you. He sees there are eternal issues that are bigger Than his temporary suffering. He's a brother who's taking the gospel to those who need it. Pastor Wong is willing to endure the suffering so his captors, hear me, Pastor Wong is willing to endure his suffering so that his captors will not have to endure God's wrath. That's love. He's there to testify that true hope is in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. That this is the love of God given to all who repent and believe to testify that this life is fleeting. Everything about this life is temporary. All the good things and all the bad things. This life is temporary. Everything about it is. But the hope of the gospel of Jesus, that lasts forever. Beloved, you and I are living proof. You and I are living proof of what Pastor Wong is saying. In recent years, racism and racial reconciliation has been all over the news. Almost 70 years after Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter in Birmingham, we've made progress. We need to acknowledge that. We've made progress. Things are not like they used to be, but racism is still out there. There's still a need for racial reconciliation. There's still much to be done. But what Pastor Wong is right in is that true hope in a perfect society will never be found in fixing earthly institutions or culture. You see, besides racism, there's drug problems. Besides drug problems, there's alcohol addiction, there's broken families, there's broken lives. It seems, it seems sometimes that what's wrong is praised and what's right is despised. You fix one problem and there's a million others to now look at and to address. It never ends. And no problem is never, is never really fixed, is it? It always seems to pop up again. Why is that? You see, the reason racism exists, the reason corrupt governments exist, the reason all these issues exist is not because we're not doing enough. It's because evil exists. The root of what Pastor Wong is facing, the root of what we face is evil. And it's not just in government It's not just in racists. Evil is a description of sin. And sin is in each one of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is the reason why we don't do what we ought to do. We don't give God the glory. We don't worship God as we ought. We don't enjoy God as much as we should So many try to give God their leftovers after giving all their time and energy to lesser things, and that belittles God. God says, how dare you do that? He's worth far more than just checking a box or fitting him in when we can. The Bible says we are all sinners. Everyone is. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. What we need to understand is that we're not sinners because we sin. We commit sinful acts because we are sinners. It's who we are. We are sinners, and we all need saving. We need a savior. We all need God's wrath to be absorbed in some other way, or we will perish. Emmanuel is that savior. Emmanuel has absorbed that wrath, that judgment for God's people. We have great news to tell about Emmanuel. We, the church, have the best news for everyone in the world. Do you believe that? The good news of Jesus Christ is what everyone needs. His gospel is better than anything else anyone can ever say or give to you. It's better than anything else you can give to them or say to them. More than Pastor Wong's freedom is the need for his captors to come to Jesus, to repent and to be forgiven of their sin. More than anything else in this country is the need for repentance of sin. More than anything else in your family, more than anything else in your own life and in our church is to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus begins with who he is and then tells us who we are. and Then it tells us the good news of what he has done. We then respond to the good news by repenting and believing. But you see, we have to hear the bad news first. We have to hear the bad news of who we are before we get to the good news of what Jesus has done. The bad news is we are all sinners and we face God's wrath for it. No one likes this side of the gospel. Where we are, we tell people their sinful condition, who they are, that they're sinners, and no one likes it, but it's the truth. I pray that we have the same boldness as Pastor Wong. I pray that we're not consumed with our temporary lives, but are filled with everlasting faith and love that compels us, it compels us to share the good news of Jesus. be willing to suffer even if it means taking the gospel to some who will hear and repent and no longer be hostile to God. They need the gospel. Your enemies need the gospel. Your children need the gospel. You need, I need the gospel. Sin has all of us trapped, and only Emmanuel can rescue us. You see, sin is like a huge rock at your front door. Let's say you come home one evening, it's pouring rain, it's cold, you're soaked through to the bone. You know you'll get sick if you stay outside, and there's this huge rock right in front of your front door. You, you can't get inside now. You try to lift the rock, and you can't. It's too heavy. It's still raining. You begin to cough. You're probably going to come down with some kind of sickness. You find a rope, and you tie it around the rock. You try pulling it away from the door, but it just won't budge. Something else is needed to get that rock out of the way. You can't do it. The rope can't, so you get a chain. You wrap that around the rock, and the chain breaks when it's pulled. You try everything you can think of and nothing works. Nothing will move this rock out of the way so you can get inside. Sin is that rock. It's too big to take care of on our own. Nothing in this life will move sin out of the way. Nothing about your life removes sin. It's too heavy. It's heavier than everything else in this world because sin has an eternal weight to it. You can't budget. Sin blocks us from going inside and being with God. And why is that important? Why is being with God important? Because being not with God, not being with God, means to be in judgment by God. Our problem is not just our sin, it's the judgment of our sin you ask almost anyone in our area, why did Jesus die on the cross? And you'll more than likely get the same answer from most people. Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. You see, that's only partly right. That's only partly right. Why do we need forgiven of our sin? We need forgiven of our sin, not just our sin, but from the judgment of our sin. Sin has an eternal weight to it that we can't move because the eternal hand of God is pressing down on sin in his judgment. You can't budge that. No one can. It's impossible to do anything about sin. Only God can remove his hand of judgment. Only God can budge that rock and move it out of our way. Only God can then bring you inside to his presence. You see, most people don't have a good picture. They don't have a good understanding about who God is. They've created a God in their minds that will not hold us accountable for sin, that he accepts everybody, even those who can't stand him. They see him as a God who gives whatever we ask, whenever we ask it. He's here to make this life better for us. That what we see is important has to be important to God because we need to have it. God makes it clear in Psalm 50, 21. If you want to turn there, if not, mark it down. Write it down on your bulletin. This is important. God makes it clear in Psalm 50, verse 21. He says this. You thought that I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. In other words, God is not like us. God is not like us. God does not deal lightly with our sin. He does not consider sin to be trivial. You see, God loathes sin. He hates sin. You know, we tell our children, don't use that word hate. That's that's not a good word. But God hates sin. Sin. He doesn't dislike sin. He hates it. He judges it. And he will destroy it. That rock that you can't move that's blocking your way to God is really your heart, Scripture says. And all of us are there. We're all staring at this immovable rock that blocks us from all that's good and righteous and holy. And God says, all that are outside of my presence are condemned. We are judged already in our sin. This hard-hearted rock condemns each and every one of us. And we're left outside. We're getting sick. We're getting weak. Death is certain if we're left outside. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. Only God is able to do something. And here's the good news. He has done something. He has done it. This is the most wonderful, most awesome news because God has done the most loving act toward sin. He has come to us. He has dealt with the sin of all those who repent and believe. God is able to do the impossible. He's able to move that rock that blocks the entrance into his house, and he's done it. He's come and picked up that rock of sin. He's moved it, and he's crushed it into dust. That's why I spent an entire Sunday preaching on the divine nature of Jesus. Only God can move that rock of sin out of your way. But not only does God Move the rock of sin out of the way. He deals with it. He condemns it. He judges it. His thoughts towards sin do not change because he's forgiven sinners. He still hates that sin. He deals with it. And he dealt with it by becoming a man. I spent all last Sunday preaching on the human nature of Jesus. The Son of God became fully man to live the sinless life of obedience that Adam, that you, that me, we all failed to live so that his perfect righteousness could be credited to us by faith in him alone. And then die and take our punishment that we deserve. You see, the son of God could only die if he took on flesh. He took the payment for sin. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He deals with that rock that you have inside. This is the gift of Christmas. This is why we need Emmanuel. He gets sin out of the way. He takes the penalty for it by being there. He is our propitiation. So you and I can walk into God's presence and enjoy His goodness and His joy forever. You see, he is the justifier now. He says, you're welcome to come in of all those who have faith in Jesus. See, my analogy of the rock. It it really comes from Scripture. You see, long ago, God promised in Ezekiel 36, 26 to change the heart of believers. He said, I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Our Emmanuel has taken believers' hearts of stone and he's made them, turned them into hearts that want the truth, that love the truth, that sees the truth. And he did it by Jesus coming and taking the punishment that believers deserve. This is why we need a Savior. This is what makes Christmas. This is why the birth of Jesus is so incredibly special. It means the love of God is freely given through his son for all who repent and believe because Jesus took our punishment. This Christmas, look to Jesus as your savior from God's punishment. And then tell the world, like Pastor Wong, about the free gift of Jesus so they also can be saved. Let's pray.